Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. Uh, I'm Evan Gottesman, Associate Director of Policy and Communications. And I am Michael Koplow. I am Israel Policy Forum's Policy Director. And we're here talking about something that I don't think uh, anyone was really considering maybe seven days ago, which is uh, new Israeli elections and the fact that Benjamin Netanyahu was not able to form a coalition. Yes, so this is this is an emergency emergency podcast. Given that uh, the vote to dissolve the Knesset happened thirty seven minutes ago, so we are up and running quickly. Yeah, here. we were watching our uh, staff WhatsApp group uh, all freak out, and uh, you know Twitter was exploding, and certainly things were crazy in Israel. Um, there were some there were some great Knesset speeches. We saw Ayman Oda of the uh, Hadash Party, um, the the. Uh, left-wing Arab party discussing how, uh, jokingly, how he, he said Netanyahu had offered him uh, the end of the occupation and recognition of Nakba um, in exchange for the immunity law. So, you know, how, how did we get to this stage where Netanyahu was not able to form a coalition on time? He, he went through the full 28 days plus a 14-day extension, um, and the Knesset voted to dissolve itself and go forward with new elections, which was not the only option coming out of a situation where Netanyahu didn't form a coalition. Um, Michael, do you want to recap a little? Sure. So I will. I will confess this definitely caught me by surprise. Up until today, I was pretty confident that Netanyahu was going to be able to form a government. I thought that it would probably go down to the wire like it did last time, because all the parties involved this time around had incentive and leverage to basically uh, extort him for for what they wanted, given that he couldn't afford to lose any of them um, with the coalition math. But Avigdor Lieberman has left the government now. I think this is his uh, fourth time either you know leaving leaving a government or uh, or bringing down a government um, over one issue or another, and he was serious. And so, you know, there was this uh, ongoing dispute between Lieberman, who had to be in the coalition for it to work, and uh, between the Ashkenazi Haredi Party, UTJ, which also had to be in the coalition for it to work, over the draft law and uh, whether it would be modified or not from the version that passed one reading in the last message. And neither side was willing to back down. And Netanyahu, up until today, seemed to be siding with the Haredim against Lieberman. At some point today, he seems to have flipped um, and told the Haredim that they would have to back down, and neither side was willing. And without that, Netanyahu did not have a government. And so here we are with with new elections, and Netanyahu is going to uh, try for a do-over, uh, where in, in what he wants is to end up with more than 65 seats in the right-wing bloc, and uh, in his view, hopefully not have to rely on every single party, which makes the ability to extort him uh, far less. Right. And, you know, it's worth noting that with this new election, some of the parties that missed the electoral threshold, specifically the new right party of Naftali Bennett and Ayelet Shaked, um, will have a, another shot at getting into the Knesset and possibly 
building your larger right-wing block, although in the case of the new right and with Ayelet Shaked specifically, um, I think it's been widely speculated in the last couple of days as it looked more and more likely that a new election was going to happen, that she would be brought into the fold of the Likud, which had kind of been her own political goal all along to elevate herself into the leadership of Likud as a more nationally oriented party with a larger base than a smaller party like the new right would ever have. Um, but it, it's crazy just looking at this and, and all the things that Netanyahu did in the last 48 hours or so or a little longer than that to kind of pull out all the stops and really try to bring every lever of pressure he could to bear against Lieberman. Um, he he sought out the help of Donald Trump, who tweeted about uh, Israeli coalition politics, which is certainly something that Trump uh, does not have any familiarity with. Um, you know, he... Trump has, has certainly has a, a narrow set of interests, and I really, really doubt that uh, he suddenly took on an interest in the inner workings of the Knesset and how things were going there. But he tweeted out wishing that uh, the coalition formation would go along smoothly. Um, Netanyahu did a interview on Channel 9 in Israel, which is the Russian language channel, and Avigdor Lieberman's parties catering to these Russian-speaking immigrants. Um, so... That was another way he was going uh, going for him. And, um, you know, he, he invited the Labor Party to join the government, which was a ridiculous proposal all along. But, but he was just really trying to do everything he could to make the situation uncomfortable for Lieberman. And I think the, the, the quintessential picture to come out of this was this photo of Lieberman in his office in the final stages of this, watching Eretz Nehederet, uh, the skit comedy show, um, you know. He, he he was serious about it, and at a certain point, he was kind of just along for the ride. Um, but, you know, Netanyahu couldn't afford a situation because the, the alternative, which was that the president of Israel, Reuven Rivlin, could have given the mandate to form a government to another member of Knesset, possibly another member of the Likud, like Gidon Saar, or could have passed it off to the opposition, uh, to Benny Gantz. Um, but uh, Netanyahu didn't want that because that's a guaranteed out for him. Or, or at least would have prolonged uh, his his uh, misery, whereas, you know, going to another election basically gives himself a shot at a clean do-over. What's, inter- what's interesting here is that with a little effort, some of the folks in Likud who are not happy with Netanyahu and chafe under, you know, what's, what's now um, over a decade of, of continuous Netanyahu rule, but in a lot of ways... Um, over over two decades of, of Netanyahu domination of Likud, um, they could have actually used this as an opportunity to get him aside because there are folks at the top, Yidon Saar most prominently, but uh, other other Likud folks like uh, Yisrael Katz and Gilad Erdan who have been looking forward to the end of the Netanyahu era for a while because they want to take over Likud. And so they've been chafing under him. And then you have the newest Likud members who got elected to the Knesset on April 9th, who are now farther down the list because just yesterday, Likud and Kulanu, which is Moshe Kahlon's party, agreed to run jointly if there were new elections. And the five members of Kulanu were put onto the Likud list, which means that they are bumping five the five most junior members of Likud. And if the folks at the bottom of the Likud list and some of the people at the very top had joined together and voted not to dissolve the government, 
then President Rivlin would have been able to give a mandate to somebody else to form a government. And he very well may have given it to someone like Gidon Saar, at which point you probably would have had a national unity government with Kahol Avan pretty quickly that did not include Netanyahu as prime minister. Um, and there is, you know, whether, whether that was just a, a move too far for some of these folks or whether they didn't want to, they didn't want to risk a, a failed palace coup or whether Bibi just has such a stranglehold over Likud that nobody wants to cross him under any circumstances. It is interesting to me that, you know, there was speculation about that maneuver taking place, but it doesn't seem to have ever really emerged as a, as a serious option. Right. I, I think that they were trying to play it as safe as possible, because if you look at the way that the vote played out, the vote in the Knesset to dissolve the body and move to new elections, um, Netanyahu, to a certain extent, was relying on everyone in the right wing bloc. But uh, some of the Arab parties, and I don't know specifically off the top of my head whether it was uh, members of Knesset from Hadash and Tal or um, Balad and the United Arab List or both, um, but some members of Knesset from the Arab parties voted in favor of dissolving the Knesset, whereas the rest of the opposition, um, the the center and left-wing Zionist parties, all voted against dissolving the coalition. Um, so with that in mind, Netanyahu didn't need every single one of his uh, right-wing block and every single member of Likud to vote for that bill in order for it to pass. Um, if he was in a, in a kind of really, really, uh, really strange twist, depending on the votes of Arab parties after he had perennially gone after uh, his opponents saying that they're, they're depending on the, the Arabs and, and the Arab parties, which is perverse for a whole host of reasons that we could do another podcast on. Um, but in, <laughs> in any case, um, uh, so you know, if he didn't need every member of Likud to get this bill passed, I don't think anyone wanted to be seen as the party that somehow uh, hurt Likud in front of right-wing voters, because if Gidon Saar and Michal Shear, who was the other uh, Likud MK who had come out um, against Netanyahu's version of personal immunity, uh, a personal immunity law, were the ones who resulted in a national unity government led by Benny Gantz, for example, um, they might be seen as right wing voter by right wing voters as the ones who invited, um, you know, government by the center and the center left, and that's probably not something they want on themselves. It, it, it is really crazy though, because you know you're right. Um, it would seem on the surface that Netanyahu is really a liability to Likud and to all these other members of Knesset, but they have to play it so safe and they have to be so certain that what they're going to do is going to be the thing that gets them out. So. Yeah, that's that's why I would imagine they they just stuck to it and and didn't um, didn't uh, vote against dissolving the Knesset. I mean, even if you look at their their statements in opposition to the immunity law, they're very careful about the way they phrase it. Um, no one wants to be seen, I think, as explicitly coming out against Netanyahu. Yeah, and I think that one of the most interesting things to watch over the next four months is going to be whether Netanyahu still has this aura of invincibility that he's that he's always had. I think that, you know, the key to his success has been this notion that he is the one indispensable person, that that nobody else is fit to serve as prime minister, and that he is, you know, that he that he's he's an unkillable king, right? That that he's always going to be there until he removes himself from the scene and that somehow, you know, he manages to escape out of every every situation whether it's continuing rockets from Gaza or indictments hanging over his head, that nothing can take him down. And 
Um, this is this is a, a very real and very public and and very embarrassing failure for him. And I wonder if Likud voters are going to double down. You know, as Netanyahu makes the argument, which he's already started tonight, um, that you know that that Lieberman is left winger and left wingers have conspired to take away uh, Israeli voters. Um, right-wing government that they that they voted for and that they deserve, or whether the fact that he now looks wounded for the first time is going to give some of his voters pause. I I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question, uh, but I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Definitely. I, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's um, it's important to look at this and still see that Netanyahu ended this Knesset sort of on his own terms. Ideally, you know, he, he didn't want to be in a position where he had to go to new elections, um, but he didn't have to go through the whole affair of, uh, you know, waiting to have Benny Gantz handed the opportunity to form a government. And, you know, Benny Gantz still didn't really have a chance at forming a government um, because even as he was saying that he wouldn't join this government, Avigdor Lieberman was also saying that he would only sit in government when, with Netanyahu. Um, so... You know, this is the most exposed Netanyahu has ever been, though, at the end of the day, um, in, at least in the last uh, decade. I mean, in 2006, he was leading uh, Likud, but they didn't have a shot at forming the government. They weren't even close um, because Kadima had a strong showing and Labor had an OK showing. And, um, you know, basically since 1999, when Netanyahu uh, lost the election uh Outright, you know, Netanyahu has, has, like you said, he's been this immovable object in Israeli politics. So it will be interesting to see how this changes and really what Netanyahu is willing to give away. I mean, we thought that what he was giving up in the last election, his compromise uh, with the um, with the Otsma Yehudit party, the Jewish power, uh, far right fringe party, um, his promise to annex or apply Israeli sovereignty, in, in his words, to all West Bank settlements. Um, that was one he was only sort of vulnerable and sort of exposed. Well, now he's super vulnerable and super exposed. So it's going to be scary uh, what he is willing to give up in this round. So we're definitely going to keep on uh, watching that uh, at Israel Policy Forum. We're, we're putting back up our 120 project, um, you know, on, on the communications team at, at Israel Policy Forum. We thought we had sort of shelved it. it. It had a nice run. People liked it. But that that will be back up and running with podcasts, articles, videos, all the stuff that, that we had last time, in addition to our Annexation Watch project. Right. And it's already back up and running. You uh, you, you wrote and posted a piece um, even before we recorded this podcast. So uh, 120 Project is, is alive yes, and well. Yeah. The, it, it never really ended. Um, <laughs> You know, we, we we thought that it's kind of swan song would be the coalition negotiations. Uh, I was still tagging some posts on the website as, as 120 Project if they had to do with the coalition talks. But here here we are again. So um, do, do you have any uh, closing thoughts or? Um... No, just uh, stay tuned. It, it's going to be the, the last the last election campaign. <laughs> Uh, was was pretty wild. I think this one is going to be even more right. so. And, and I should add that the date to watch is September 17th um, for new elections. Yes. So uh, keep an eye out there. It's scheduled conveniently before the high holidays. Um, and 
Um, we'll also, I'm sure, watch the date of the uh, Trump peace plan uh, continually move up again. You know, we, we thought it was finally set, but um, I think it's going to mysteriously get delayed again. Um, yeah, I think I think it's going to disappear entirely. That, that's also a, a strong possibility. So, Michael, thanks for for joining us on the podcast again. Of course. And uh, many, many more of these to come. <laughs> And before we close out, we're going to turn to our communications director, Eli Koaz, who's based in Tel Aviv, and he'll give us a little update on how things are looking from the ground. Uh, Eli, what's the mood in Israel right now? It's past uh, 12 o'clock, past 1 o'clock. What time is it? Yeah, well, it's it's shock. It's just absolute shock. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that we'd get to this point. I mean, it's really something uh, It's never happened before. It's... uh, a historic moment it's kind of i mean i think the mood here is is like it's it's sad i mean especially you have to feel for uh journalists and people covering these elections obviously elections in israel are very especially this last election was very uh rough very heated um and i'm sure this coming election will be very much uh the same um but yeah it was very interesting situation and i mean there are a lot of things to look at like how we got here and um but looking to the future a lot of questions uh, just about again benjamin netanyahu and what uh what is in his future i mean this was definitely a sign of weakness so victor lieberman was able to uh maneuver him and pretty much take him down put him in this position and uh, he, he he spoke briefly after the. Uh, Nathan, the you're saying Netanyahu, dissolved. not Lieberman. Yes, uh, ne- well, well, Lieberman spoke before entering the hall uh, to vote, and he said that there would be elections, and and uh, again stating that um, he was not going to be part of a Medinat uh, Alcha, which is like a a, a, a religious state, um, and uh, and he. He, he went in and then the vote passed uh, almost overwhelmingly. Uh, the, the second and third readings passed um, with, uh, I think, 74 or 75 in favor. Um, obviously, all the Israel uh, Betenu, all the other quote-unquote uh, co- right-wing coalition partners, um, and also uh, the Arab uh, MKs all supported that Um their reason obviously being that um, they had a very low voter turnout and uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, the Arab parties all uniting once again uh, to increase their amount of seats. Um, so that's the uh, that's the situation. Right. And, and Kachol Lavan, the main opposition party from the last election in April, Benny Gantz, Gabi Ashkenazi, Yair Lapid, Moshe Yalon, have they said anything? Or are, are they um, are they talking? Uh, what, what's their what image? Are, what image are they trying to project as they go into the next election? I, I think the image they're projecting. I mean, there's been a lot of talk. But this is obviously uh, three parties just joining together with uh, four kind of leaders at at, at the top. Not four, I mean three, but if you include Gabi Ashkenazi in that in that bunch. Um, and obviously a lot of reports from the media about how that would work and talking about them splitting up. And there was an interesting moment um, yesterday, uh, or it was two days ago, where Lapid said that he wasn't sure 
Um, they asked if, if he would run again with Gantz in the same uh, part of blue and white and if there are new elections. And he was kind of hesitant, but then the next day he clarified that Gantz would be the candidate for, for prime minister. Um, so they're still united. Another interesting thing to look at is there, there are some Knesset members who've literally only served for a month as Knesset members, and that's probably, that will be their entire political career. Um, um, we'll have to see, obviously, what happens in the next elections, but it's it's pretty astonishing. And again, this will cost uh, Israeli taxpayers half a billion shekels. Um, and September 17th. That's, that's, Excited? That's crazy. I mean, yeah, we were just, I was just talking to Michael about how we're, we're rolling out the 120 project again. So, yeah, there will be more to look forward uh, from from Israel Policy Forum on this, and we're looking forward to hearing more of what you're seeing in Israel, Eli. So, um, great. Well, thanks, Evan, and uh, I mean, uh, good luck to us all, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, and and to all of you in Israel. Uh, I think we uh, need it. Yeah, great. Well. That does it for this ep- that does it for this episode of Israel Policy Pod. We'll catch you on the next episode and there are going to be many more to come talking about elections. Now now it's September and uh, it's certainly going to be hard to predict. So uh, keep an eye out. Mm-hmm.